Welcome to the Mother of All Movement podcast with me, Catherine Meadows. I'm a women's health trainer specializing in postnatal recovery and a mum to two kids myself. My aim is to inspire and educate through chats with women who are either working through their own movement journey or work to help women get stronger and recover both physically and mentally after having kids. I want to talk about what they do, how they integrate it into their family lives and essentially why. Because I believe when we share our stories and our values, we lift each other up, enabling every mother to fulfill her body's potential, gain confidence in her power and give her family the best version of her to share their lives with. So join me each week to hear these wonderful women talk about their journey. Hello and welcome to this episode. I am so happy to be joined today by Amy Hartley, who is a breath coach and yoga teacher. She is a mum of two and she's the author of a book called Breathe Well, which we're going to hear more about later, as well as the founder of the School Breathe program, which I'm really excited to hear about. It's all about helping kids to manage their emotions through good breathing techniques that she's teaching to teachers and TAs. So we're going to hear a lot more about that as well. So Amy, welcome. Thank you so much for giving up your time today to talk to us. Hi, thanks for having me. And I start by asking you how you came around to working as a breath coach. Yeah, I was, it was about 15 years ago and I trained to be yoga teacher. And within the course, we did loads of pranayamas and breath practices and I was lucky enough to train out in Australia actually where I did a full-time course out there and it was after the breath practices that I found that there was a much more of a significant shift in how I was feeling and how I was thinking and then after all the hours of kind of asana and movement and postures so I sort of had the seed in my brain that there was something in the breath but there was breathwork didn't really exist as its own entity 15 years ago. But when I flew back to the UK, there was a little poster. I worked at this amazing place called the Special Yoga Centre in Kensal Rise. And they, they had yoga for children with special needs. It was a wonderful place. They had a little poster saying transformational breath workshop happening. And I was like, oh, I was so curious what it was. So I went along and it was just breath. It was 90 minutes of breath. It was amazing. And the facilitator said to me, you're not breathing properly. And I was just like, what do you mean? I mean, you know, in my head, I'm like, I'm a yoga teacher. I must be breathing <laughs> Yeah. He said, you're totally not. You're not breathing into your belly. You've got so much tension around your intercostal muscles. You're using all your shoulders, your accessory respiratory muscles. And I was just fascinated. A, I felt blown away. And I just felt the best I'd ever felt for uh, forever. And I just became totally intrigued about the way everyone was breathing. And I was teaching yoga at the time. So in my yoga classes, I started just saying, you know, everyone was in beautiful postures and doing all the postures right. But I could see, because I was zoning in then to how people were breathing. I was just like, oh, okay, I understand, you know, that no one's breathing properly. And I was sort of became slightly mildly obsessed with how people were breathing. So I then trained I'll cut very long story short I trained as a breath coach and yeah it was just it was incredible and then yeah and then I've been I sort of rolled up my yoga teaching mat I still teach in small capacities in one-to-ones and private sessions and things but as part of a breath routine but now I just teach breath work and it's yeah and now it's become really popular and there's loads of breath coaches which is right cool. and yeah people know what we do now when I first started there was a lot of people saying, what do you do? You're a breathing <laughs> therapist. They thought I said breeding, as in helping people to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, but now everyone's like, oh, you're a breath coach. You know, it's kind of, yeah. it, it's brilliant. It's on yoga timetables. It's in schools. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's accepted as a, a, as a really trusted healing modality and very, very, you know, you don't have to roll out a yoga mat to do it. You can do it anywhere. No, exactly. And and when you say not breathing properly, what what do you mean by that? Because I guess a lot of people might kind of go, well, I'm breathing in and out and I'm still alive. So surely I'm breathing properly. Like, that's right. Yeah, you're breathing, definitely breathing, definitely surviving. 
And a lot of breath coaches say, but are you thriving? Like, could you be breathing more efficiently to feel better? Could you be breathing more to feel more relaxed? So yes, of course, we are all breathing, but there is one way to breathe. And that's, there's a healthy way to breathe as well and an optimum way to breathe. So many people are mouth breathers, so they breathe in and out through their mouth. That's a very unhealthy way to breathe. And that's because when we breathe in, the um, pollutants and microbes obviously enter the body. So we don't want the, we don't want any of this entering through the mouth. We want it entering through the nose because there's lots of little cilia in the nose, little hairs in the nose, and these catch the air particles. And when we breathe out, we want them pushed out of the body. If they're going straight into the mouth, the, the lungs aren't going to receive the sort of cleanest, um, freshest air, as it were. So always breathe in through the nose, out through the nose. And also, I don't know if it's helpful to do a little breath exercise yeah. now for people. Yeah. Not if you're driving. <laughs> listen to podcasts when you're driving. But if you're in a safe place, you're sat still and there's no distraction, you're not on sort of a heavy machinery or anything. There is something we can do to, to, for you to discover that we all have a unique breath pattern. So we all share the same air, but we all breathe in a completely unique way. And it's really quick and easy to find out. So if you place one hand on the lower belly, so if you place... Um, the hand just below the belly button so thumb on the belly button hand below there and then the other hand on the upper chest and just breathe as you normally would this is sort of an observation exercise and just notice which part of the body is moving more on the inhalation so as you breathe in if you were breathing in through the mouth zip up the lips and breathe in through the nose but just notice which part of the body is moving more. Is the upper chest moving more as you inhale? Or is the lower belly moving more as you inhale? So upper chest moving more, lower belly. You may have movement in, but it's just quite interesting. A few more breaths just to deepen your research. Sometimes also people tuck their bellies in as they breathe in. So they pull their bellies in as they breathe in. And if you're doing that, just take your awareness to your belly and see if you can encourage the belly to rise on the inhale. So two more breaths. Breathing in through the nose, out through the nose, just seeing which part of your body is moving more. And then if you close your eyes, blinking the eyes open, relaxing the hands down. So for those, Catherine, where were you? Where were you? Which were you both? both moving together. More, Fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. Fabulous. Great. Well, that's good. And were they moving in equal? There was no, there was no dominant part of the body. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. I, I could definitely feel my ribs feeling like they were going wider rather than necessarily coming forwards. Um, Lovely. So, okay. yeah, so that's good. You've got, a, you've got um, no no noticeable dysfunctional breath patterns going uh, well, on. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. But yeah, yeah. OK, go on. Um, uh, obviously, this is a you know podcast Zoom affair. So maybe on, on um, closer inspection, if you if you have a one-to-one -one with a breath coach sometimes they detect that you are actually using your back muscles a lot mm. overusing your back muscles and people carry a lot of literally like the world mm. on their shoulders and all the effort is going on into the in the back there but for those that were breathing in the upper chest so if the upper chest is rising more as you breathe in this is indicative that we are using our accessory respiratory muscles to breathe so the intercostal muscles shoulder muscles even the neck muscles get involved and this means we tend to over breathe and shallow breathe and what we want to do is breathe into our belly. So for everyone who was in the breathing in the belly, there may not have been much movement in the upper chest. So this means we've got a nice engaged diaphragmatic breath happening, but not much movement or energy happening in the upper chest. So what we do as breath coaches is we look at dysfunctional breath patterns and we teach you ways of breathing in an optimum way. And the reason we do this is because there is that healthy way to breathe, which is breathing in diaphragm, which is the main respiratory muscle, which relies between the lungs and the lower organs should descend. This creates a natural rounding of the lower belly. So we're for, well, we're um, programmed, a lot of us are programmed to put our bellies in, you know, we want that flat washboard stomach and we don't like our bellies being rounded at all, but this is a healthy way to breathe. So breathing in diaphragm descends, belly round, there should be a light lift in the upper chest and the ribs should expand lightly to the east and west direction. There should be a little bit of movement in the upper chest, not effortful, and hardly any movement in the shoulders at all. And so, yeah, and so we breathe this way. Every single breath we take has an impact on every other system of the body. So we can improve our circulation, our digestion, cardiovascular system, immune system, 
everything gets nourished every system of the body gets nourished simply by the way we breathe so if we yes we're breathing in through the nose i'm breathing but if you're not breathing in an optimal way this could have an adverse effect on one or many of the other systems of the body yeah okay so so i'd love to talk about the the sort of physical stuff or, or more mechanical stuff a little bit later but when we're talking about breathing i guess what a lot of people might associate breathing with is kind of calming and the emotion control and things and you know the last two years have been very stressful for so many people i mean you yourself i know you just had, had covid um so there's the the physical illness of it but also the anxiety and worry that we've all been thrown into, the uncertainty, the having the kids at home, the not sure whether or not you're allowed out and following the rules and all of that sort of stuff. And the change in our living and working conditions, suddenly a lot more people in the house and things. So lots of extra emotions. How has our breath been affected by that? And also how does our breath help us to calm and control those sort of overwhelming emotions that we have there yeah it's been I mean it's been it's been sort of a surreal two years mm. for everyone and I think we are still we will be processing it and we will be living with it within living with the sort of the ripple effects of it for years to come as will our children and everything and but how it's and it's all been about the breath I mean COVID in the press is you it's just all been about the lungs it's all been about how we breathe and you think COVID many people go to the you know you think of ventilators but actually it's a it is a multi-organ virus it doesn't just affect the lungs it affects you know every single it can affect every single organ of the body as well so it's 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 a very strange virus but emotion yeah what what's been going on is that a we've become aware of our breath which is a good thing because it's the only system of the body that we can have some control over mm. and we can take our breath from short shallow breaths which is our fight or flight mode to once we've noticed that we are in that mode we can think okay we can change our breath now we can just slow our breath right down bring it into a diaphragmatic breath and this will physiologically activate the parasympathetic nervous system so 10 deep breaths into the belly will just help you feel calmer that's you know scientifically proven okay that happens and but what's happened a lot I feel not well just because of the the enormity of the last two years but also the fact that we've been sort of been made to be inside we've been forced to do things on tech more we've been what happens when we go into this fight or flight mode is that we hold our breath a lot and when we are feeling fearful or when we are feeling anxious we go into this sort of clamping this uh, all our muscles contract and we go into these breath holds these can these can be big you know traumatic breath holds or something traumatic happening to the body we sort of every single muscle is contracted and the breath's held or they can be micro breath suspensions that happen throughout our day, doing mundane things like email, scrolling on the phone. There's even something called tech apnea that means that we are holding our breath while we're engaged in technology. Wow. If you imagine all these micro breath suspensions that we are not even aware of that we're doing in the day, happening in the body, so muscles contracting throughout the day, and then, you know, bigger things happen. You know, it can be anything from arguments at home that set off the nervous system. It can be losing someone. It can be, you know, losing the job. It can be being told to be stay inside. And what happens then is that we go through these bigger breath holds and we hold the, the muscles contract for longer. But the micro breath suspensions, macro breath suspensions, they start building up tension around the body, normally around the respiratory system. So the diaphragm holds on to tension, the respiratory, the accessory muscles, the intercostal muscles hold on to tension. Uh, tension builds up in the shoulders, the backs. And then we can't physically take a deep breath because we're literally got so much tension in the body so what we need to do is look at ways of a catching ourselves when we find ourselves holding our breath and retraining ourselves to breathe within those moments to help us go from fight or flight to rest and digest and also just yeah learn ways of releasing that tension that doesn't need to be there and we all hold it it's amazing actually how much tension we hold within the diaphragm too it's yeah. not one of those muscles that you think of when we think of tension, we normally think of neck, shoulder tension, yeah. back, lower back tension. 
Um, but we rarely think, oh, diaphragm holds tension and the, the belly holds tension. You know, every single muscle of the body is capable of holding onto tension that's not needed. And I, th- I think the other thing about the, the, the sort of change in living conditions is that we've all had to change the way we choose or, or have the opportunity to move. And through movement, we often naturally get a deeper breath, like even just, you know, needing to run for the train state to the train station to get the train in time. You have to get your breath going a little bit more. Where if you're just shuffling around the house with sort of 300 steps in a day to go from your bedroom to the kitchen worktop mm-hmm. and then back around and that's it. Yeah. You're not getting that opportunity to get that sort of deeper stronger breath you're not sort of challenging your body I think that's had quite a big effect on our overall what we what we are capable of our actual physical bodies are capable of and and the breath must be a major part of that yeah definitely well the lymphatic system which is what has obviously relies on movement and the lymphatic system which detoxes the system that detoxes our bodies and gets rid of all the toxins, gets rid of all the nasties in the body. That relies on the diaphragm to do its job. So I do feel the way that we've been stagnant, well, many of us have been stagnant over the last few years, it's had a huge impact on the lymphatic system, which of course has an effect on the immune system as well. So movement so interlinked within that lymphatic system too, that yeah, it's definitely had an impact on that. So the The cardiovascular system relies on the heart to pump the blood around the the body. The uh, lymphatic system relies on the diaphragm to do that pumping action. So if we're not breathing deeply enough or we're not taking enough deep breaths uh, a day and we take 20,000 breaths a day, many of them are short, shallow or breath, you know, in that breath hold capacity, then we are having, it's having a major impact on that lymphatic system, which yeah, which also needs movement to work. So yes, we're being told not to move. And I think also now, even though we've been told that we can move, our bodies are sort of programmed to not move, you know, too much, or we've gotten mm. so used to kind of limiting our movement that many of us, uh, some of us have been quite happy indoors and, and not doing much as well. That's the other thing. Yeah, yeah 100%, it's, it's, yeah, it's had, it's, we've, we've been impacted by this and our breath has had a, a direct impact on it you know breath has changed I would say yeah over the last two years but the good thing is is that we've become more aware of our breath too so and that's the first port of call if before we do any breath work we always become aware of the way we are breathing and that's the sort of first door you know it's the first door we go through really so we can't really change our breath without bringing our awareness to our breath and I mean I I have clients who when I uh, speak to them about how they're feeling in their bodies some of them have actually been saying some of them have been saying you know their movement's a lot more limited they've become a lot more challenged in the way that they move so so they they're finding their sort of strength and balance and things like that has become sort of more compromised but then some people because they've had more opportunity they've been at home they've been able to go oh now I'm going to do an online exercise thing I'm going to do a yoga class every morning and they've been doing it and they've been been working really well setting in those habits but now life is starting to change again and and we're sort of starting to need to go back to the office so how do we now bring awareness and attention of our breath if that's something that people have become more more aware of and and more used to kind of thinking about okay I'm doing whatever it might be so you know some people have started really good meditation practices for example or yoga practices which have got their breath got them to become aware of their breath or get them aware um got them to use their breath a lot more so how do we become adjust back into normal life if there is going to be such a thing as whatever is normal again you know returning back to office spaces where it's definitely you know things have have changed all for all of us in our our sort of mindsets things have changed now yeah and I think there's a fear as well whether we're aware of it or not is being close to people as well being Mm. around other people that you know just in the public there's been definitely a shift I don't know if you've noticed but even if you walk into a shop and someone coughs you notice (laughs) that cough that's you know December January four three years ago you would never 
you know, you would, you're not programmed to even think of a cough or feel no. a cough or hear a cough. So this, is, and this just, unless it's just me. No, 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 I, I totally I agree. Just, yeah. I just think this is fascinating. We have been, you know, we have heard so much news and we have experienced COVID and, you know, I, it's been tragic. So, you know, people have, have lost people, but there is the, the everyday the everydayness of it all has also changed dramatically. But in these little ways where unless you're aware, you, you wouldn't necessarily notice. So going back into the office, there may be, it might take another year for you to be really comfortable to mingle as you once did. And I believe it will take a lot longer than that. But there are, there are things that you can do to make you feel more relaxed going into those situations. And the absolute beauty about breathwork is that you can do it on the train, you can do it whilst walk, um, walking to work. You know, it's so transportable that you don't need to roll out a yoga mat, light candles or mm -hmm. anything. You can basically, wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, you can do a breath practice and that can change the way you feel. And I think it's just building up knowledge of, around and finding breath practice that you really like doing. I've got go-to ones that I always use. I'm not a great driver, so I get quite nervous driving on, on busy motorways. So there's certain breath practices I do whilst driving. I, I love breathing, um, doing practices. So you time your breath. So if, you, if you're walking to work, you can breathe in for five steps, breathe out for five steps, and you can arrive to the, you know, you can arrive to your office a lot calmer before Zoom calls, there's other breath techniques that you can do. There are so many, there's such a huge pool of breath exercises that you can use. And if you're breathing well to begin with, these are gonna, you know, they're gonna really, really nourish the body. And when you're presented in a scenario that makes you feel uncomfortable, your body will definitely go into fight or flight mode, even if it's just mildly, you know, you'll just get the, a little bit of fear happening. So if you're stepping back into the office and there's lots of people there, mm. That's going to feel strange. It's going to feel strange, not just for you, but for everyone. And yeah, I think it will, I think it will take time. And I think that's another thing is just to be really patient with this transition as well. It would be nice to just click the fingers, wouldn't it? And just be back. Yes, I think, uh, I mean, I think in, really. <laughs> in 2020, we were kind of like, when it goes back to normal, like as if it was just going to be, oh, you're fine now. We can all go out. Everyone can go back to normal. Yeah. But now it's been such a long time. It's kind of become a lot more ingrained. I think we've all realised that it's um, going to be something that that sticks with us for what sticks with life in our world for a while. And learning how to manage that and and how to manage our sort of new life so I suppose the opposite to going back to the office is the people who are now permanently working at home and they're that's probably not going to change or it might be only one day a week that they need to go back into the office and then there's no buffer between working and home life so if we have kids coming back from school and you have literally just finished because you knew that they were going to come back at quarter past three or whatever it is and you're manically typing your last email so that you can get things out so that you can concentrate on your children there's no buffer then between work and home you have to go from being working mother who is being creative and you know assertive or whatever it is that you need to be within your work persona to turning around to being mothering person version of you and that's quite a big change but like you say your breath is the one thing that you've got with you all the time you don't have to do anything for a long time so is there is there a technique that you could suggest that would be a quick helping you to sort of come back into the room, come back into a different space. Let out a big scream before the kids come back in. <laughs> That's a good one, yes. <laughs> um, making noise is actually really good. And also, joking apart, I think it's good for the body as well, because I think we sat down, um, sat down at the laptop um, typing away and we've got, you know, the kids coming back in and we've got to go and pick them up from school. Just to let a nice deep ah sound can really, it's amazing for the body, either mm. vibrate, we're extending the exhalation, so we're activating the parasympathetic nervous system, we're expressing ourselves. If I look more deeply into my frivolous um, answer there, it actually does lots of great things for the body. So if we're, yeah, if we're making sound and really expressing ourselves, this will just help ourselves relax and yeah just help help the body feel good but no it's in in all fairness I'm a mum of two and I'm a breath coach so I'm super aware of uh, you know when of how I could use all these these breath techniques that I have 
but I do struggle myself as well. It's, re- it's, it's really tricky being a mum and uh, working and, you know, practically full-time work, uh, full-time mum as well. You almost yeah. feel like you're off the full-time. You're up at half six in the morning. You're not really finished. Um, to, well, my kids don't go to bed till really late till nine. So there's not much time to do. But what I do find the the key to it really and what I have I don't what I find helps the most is to start practice in the morning and I find even if I, I've got this thing at the moment where just five minutes um because I got into a routine during lockdown where I just it, my breath work just became my work and I, my my personal practice slipped yeah and then I noticed in the way I was feeling and reacting in the day so if you can build and saying 20 minutes sounds insane because no unless you're really really disciplined and you can get up 20 minutes early before the kids of a day but if you start with five minutes of breath work really simple breath work just slowing down the breath and a little bit of movement in the morning then what I've noticed happens is that five minutes does become 10 minutes and that 10 minutes does become 15 minutes and if you start your day in that way then the rest of the day you will notice a seismic shift in how you react to everything so if you wake up, nurture the nervous system, your day will go a lot more smoothly than if you just race out of bed, you know, do the lunches, get the coffee on or whatever, you know, you're just kind of in, in wired mode instantly. But if you can carve out just five minutes, find a quiet space, or even if it's, you know, whilst the cat is boiling, just to make a conscious effort to do five minutes of breath work and build that up to sort of 15 minutes a day, then you will notice that you don't necessarily need those buffers, those little other breath exercises during the day. Or especially at that moment where it goes from work to mum, work to mum, mum to work, mum to work, you know, that, that constant constant switch. And it's really difficult to switch off as well, I think, mm. to go from, you know, from work mode to mum mode. When you've picked up the kids, you're probably still thinking about work. You know, it's very, it's very uh, uh, difficult. And when you're work you think about the kids it's kind of that thing isn't it well and forever merged and the thousand school emails that you get as well particularly telling you all about the new cases of covid through the school or whatever it is it's just a it's a constant little you know reminder a little chip of anxiety and uh slight stress and all awareness and and things and stuff that you have to deal with yes so the breath work in the morning I know Adrienne Herbert who who has the power hour podcast and book she says that she when she gets up early in the morning part of her early morning routine is doing some deep nasal breathing to sort of what she as she describes it she uses it as a way to sort of really help her brain kind of wake up and be able to kind of switch on and sort of set her intention by taking deeper nasal breathing it is is the nasal breathing specifically and I know you said you know breathing in and out through your nose but is the nasal breathing specifically something that helps with brain in particular or is it is it more that it sort of really taps into that vagus nerve parasympathetic system it's all of, it's really all of that so the one of the most interesting things about breathing through the nose and short breath holds I'm not sure if she talks about short breath holds a lot but in the nasal cavity we create a molecule called nitric oxide and this just helps us lower the blood lower our blood pressure it helps the blood vessels widen therefore has a nice impact on our cardiovascular system and it also brings us into that nice parasympathetic rest and digest state and as far as brains, brain hemispheres are concerned, so if we breathe through of the air, which is, is quite interesting, the air in our nostrils, we always have a dominant nostril. So if you close the left nostril now and take a few breaths in through the right nostril, out through the right nostril, and then switch and block the right nostril and breathe in through the left nostril, take three breaths. It'll be easier to breathe in through one nostril is that right for you? Okay, so here's my interesting thing. I have deviated septum. It's quite a big deviation. And uh, it, so it goes into, the curve goes towards my left side of my nose. Okay. So the right nostril at that point is wider. But the only way that I can help myself to breathe really well, and it's taken me quite a long time to be able to breathe through my nose with much more confidence. I've had to work at being able to work on closing my nose and open, uh, close my mouth and opening my nose and 
I sleep with a nasal strip over my nose to help myself to be able to do that. And I also take my mouth up overnight. Now that's taken ages for me to be able to do and not think that I'm suffocating. But, you know, when I was younger, I, I used to, I'd, I'd always mouth breathe. I just thought that it wasn't possible for me to breathe through my nose because it would, the deviation was large and, and it, it really occludes my nose. And the issue with the right side is the same as like when, you know, the, the the flow is not very good on that right side okay. because it opens out at that point so it's a little bit like whether when there's a stream going down a channel and then there's a widening of it it slackens mm. off there isn't a deeper it doesn't flow any faster or more powerfully or the same it slackens mm. off around that point and so I had that that's the same on my right side now not many people have a nasal deviation so I don't want to go you, on you, about it too much but they do yeah they do. it is quite common it's more common than Perhaps we we think, but yes, but it, it can affect the way you breathe, especially if you had it from since you were young yeah. or since you were born. Yeah, it, yeah it, I, I'm not. I can't. I can't remember a time when I didn't have it. So okay. yeah, I mean, I, I it might have developed at some points, but I I know that I had it when I was a teenager, maybe maybe a bit later than that, but definitely in my twenties, and I went to go and uh, get surgery to have it corrected so that I could breathe better and had the surgery and it didn't work okay okay so, and uh, so you think, did you not notice that there was a more dominant nostril was there was the air flowing what when I just did that exercise yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah so so it depends so although so the right side it flows more uh, evenly and on the left side I have to work harder at it so I would guess my right side but I don't naturally breathe through my right side because because I can't get a very strong breath through there so my thing is to to try to get the deviated side to work harder and then both sides can work together got you yeah well not (laughs) no what normally happens is that well what always happens is that every 20 minutes or so, so if your left nostril was dominant, so if the air was entering and leaving the nostril more easy on the left side, in 20 minutes time, the right nostril will be dominant. So it switches every 20 what? minutes. What, why? That, that's, yeah. wow, that's I, something I've never heard before. Yeah, no, it's amazing. And, and it's to just, I guess it's just the, just the way the body works and it just, the left side needs a break so the right side takes <laughs> over, but also, the, if you're breathing through your left nostril only, it activates the right side of the brain and vice okay. versa. So what the yogis knew 2000 years ago, the, our modern day scientists are just, are just realizing that they were actually right. So there is definitely, yes, vagus nerve activity, nitric oxide production going on in the nasal cavity. And if we breathe through the right side of the right nostril, it activates left brain activity and vice versa. So there is so much happening in a nasal breath. So it's very, very good to do like alternate nostril breathing that's very good for calming the breath you know um, calming the nervous system and activating that vagus nerve and also settling both sides of the brain too so even five minute practice of alternate nostril breathing in the morning or even before you what's sometimes nice to do is do a bit of practice before you even open the laptop or open the phone Mm. you know you do five minutes of, of breath practice or just becoming aware you know it's quite fun it's quite a fun party. <laughs> which side am I on now? Yeah. <laughs> which side are you breathing now? Because every, you know, if you've got six, seven people around the table, they're all going to have different, you know, dominant yeah. sides. But yes, the nay that what we say in the school breathing program is that the nose knows. So we teach kids that the healthy way to breathe is always through the nose, and the nose knows so much, and it's yeah, it knows the healthy way to breathe. And it's when if I have a client who doesn't breathe through their nose, but they don't have any issue with it, I'm always like, come on, you've got a working nose, you can do it. (laughs) There's no reason that you shouldn't be breathing through your nose, you can do it. Hi, Movement fans, sorry to interrupt your listening today. I hope you're enjoying the episode. If you are, I would love it if you could leave a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts right now. If you're on your mobile on the app, click on the icon with this podcast image, scroll right to the bottom where you see the ratings and reviews section, tap the number of stars you want to give. My suggestion would be five. 
and then click the write a review link at the bottom. It literally takes one minute and makes a huge difference in how iTunes shows this podcast to others who are searching amongst all the thousands of brilliant shows that there are out there. Thank you so much for choosing this podcast and taking the time to review. It really does mean the world to me and I am hugely grateful. Okay, let's get on with the show. But you've just given two really good ways that somebody can help or a mum specifically can help their emotions. And I think, you know, I think we've all been tested quite a lot with the last couple of years. So like big, strong emotions in the house, like anger and rage, Mm. they're very present in motherhood anyway, whether or not we like to talk about it. And, you know, I, th- I know, I know for myself, definitely like even at the beginning of January here this year, because lockdown happened, the really horrible third lockdown happened, you know, on sort of January the 4th, 21, when we came around to the same time this year, both of my kids were sick. And I remember just being like, absolutely oh my God, you have to go into school. (laughs) I cannot, I can't do this again another year. And just like that catastrophizing, just sort of really pulled out that held feeling of Mm. trauma and, and sort of just having to like hold it all together then for three months or however long it was in the end. I mean, it was nearly four months. It was over four months, wasn't it? But, you know, we have have so many big emotions that we've been having coming up with. And lots of people recently, their kids have had COVID a second time. And there's all the repercussions about that. It's not, it's not about the one particular thing. It's about everything. It's like, oh, now that means I can't go to work. I've got to look after you. What, what's that going to do for this, that and the other? I won't be able to focus and everything else out all around around it. So the techniques that you've just given, like the sort of screaming and standing up and really full body movements and also the nasal breathing, were both of those good techniques that could help us to be able to manage or, or at least just be able to do something about those emotions rather than just, you know, raging at your kids? Yeah, I think it's really important to, to go, I mean, it's, it's such a unique time Um, and I think we can be really hard on ourselves as well and we are all going through the same you know emotional waves as you like and the one thing I think I've learned most is to go really easy on yourself and not because I think what we can what can happen as mums is we can you know yes that we can snap and we can shout and then we feel guilty and then it's just this vicious circle of you know just feeling exhausted from feeling (laughs) And so one is to go really easy on yourself. And I used to be, I'm getting, I have got better over the last 15 years, quite hard on myself and, you know, pushing myself and or not thinking I was good enough or not thinking I'm doing enough or, you know, there was a lot of berating oneself. And I think as mums, we are almost programmed to do this as well, mm-hmm. a lot more. So number one is just go really easy on yourself because A, you're a mum, B, you're a working mum for those that are working, and yeah see we are going through this human sort of like a human crisis you know it feels like quite a crisis mm. without a doubt it is that and that's what we're feeling and that's what we're in and also your kids it's very difficult to navigate or even to know what they're going through at school as well you know we send them off but we're not really sure of what's happening um, or how they're uh, navigating their way within that classroom where kids are off school or they're off school with COVID then they go back in and they've had COVID you know it's it's, it's a melting pot of so many different things that yes at 3 30 p.m or 5 p.m or whenever they come back in can you know they're letting off steam from school you're still worried from you're still worried or, or overthinking things from work so yeah go easy on yourself and in that moment of feeling that or when we feel it what normally happens is that we snap then and there like there is no bridge between feeling it and expressing it. Mm. And that is one thing that we can do is that in that moment of feeling it, we could either take ourselves away from whatever's happening, take a few breaths or tell them to take a few breaths as well. Or just say, you know, mom's just going to breathe for like five minutes. Let's all take a breath and go, you know, this is really, really, what's the word? 
tricky to do it in that moment you know it's really tricky yeah the emotions are so strong that bang you're gone yeah so I totally get that and I totally do that as you know and I'm I'm human and we all you know breath coaches are all human and I think if you don't if you don't admit that you do these things and uh, or you know maybe you're at a level where you just float around the house so yeah it's just it's just to become aware of also what triggers you as well so what in that moment because a lot of the time it's tiredness as well I find that when I'm really tired all systems kind of are tired so the nervous system's tired and talk short fused and most of a lot of the uh, a lot of the strong emotions can come you know in the evening when you're all tired you're all a bit grumpy you're all a bit grisly and that's the hardest time for me anyway personally to whip out all my breath exercises oh my gosh yeah so I to be like, I'm going to be really honest here I wish I had a magic breath exercise for in those moments <laughs> yeah to make everything calm and you know to make wave a magic wand but I think even becoming aware of how you're feeling in that moment and even if you can just take one breath before you say anything, before you do anything, you know, put your hand on your put your hand on your heart, just somewhere, and just try and express how you're feeling rather than just instantly expressing whatever's coming out of your mouth. So you know, yeah. mummy's feeling really tired, mummy's feeling really angry. How are you feeling? You know that 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 can just act as a bridge and create space. And that's what this is the amazing thing that breath can do is create space for us to feel and create space for us to navigate a certain situation that normally we would instantly react to. Mm. Yeah, I, I think I think we've all been in situations where you're like, yeah, that that <laughs> that didn't happen. The wave of anger just came over me too much. But then I'm sure a lot, a lot of us have been in situations when, well, actually I managed to manage that quite well. What did I do differently? Oh, I gave myself a little, just a moment to pause just a mm. moment it doesn't take very much does it it just it just just requiring that so if a breath is what yeah. it takes for you to just be able to go just one breath just mm. just one breath it just gives you enough of a moment to pause there it gives you that sort of slight actual breathing space doesn't it yeah yeah definitely okay so I'd love to know more about the your school breathe program now because you just mentioned about kids as well and 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 in that thing of what we do as mothers with our big emotions in in times where we're sort of triggered by what's going on around we're also modeling that to our kids as well and my daughter has quite high anxiety she is a very outgoing person but she also tends to get overwhelmed so she's high anxiety but so for her we you know we we spend a lot of time saying okay i need you to focus on your breathing and stuff like that but if i don't help her to understand what what she's doing why she's doing it and I don't model it myself then it then it's just an empty suggestion to her it doesn't you know like quite often she'll throw it back in my face their breathing doesn't work (laughs) okay all right let's see how that goes but but is that the was that the idea behind the school breathe program to sort of help kids to be able to manage their emotions at times when they're just in transition from home to school or they're having bigger emotions within the classroom? All of that, really. How old is your daughter? So she's 11. My my son is nine. Okay. Yeah, because it can be a tricky age as well with, you know, hormones and everything like that there's a whole other arena too so but she'll get there with the breath so it will find her (laughs) but this is what my this is why I was so passionate about it entering at primary school level as well so I my son started school and we were very lucky enough to in the school that we were he started in in Walthamstow they invited some of the parents that those that could into the classroom to you know settling in week so we were allowed to sit in with the classroom be with them for 15 minutes and then we would leave and within this 15 minutes, I would notice that there was one teacher, a teaching assistant, 30 children, and it was a quite small classroom. And it was really stressed. You know, there was kids crying. Yes, it was the first week. So that was, you know, that was normal. But there was just so much for this poor teacher and teaching assistant to manage. I just sat there and thought, gosh, in this moment, breath, if the teachers knew breath work or if breath work could be present in this classroom that we could have all started doing just literally five minutes of breath work this could really help young kids. And at the time when my son was four, 
I'd done a little bit of breath work at his nursery before that, you know, not really knowing if three-year-olds would engage, yeah. but I knew my three-year-old had engaged. So I was just like, but I was doing all the time. So I thought, am I going in, you know, am I going in with this sort of false reality that all kids are going to pick up? This yeah. But at nursery level, I went in and did half an hour with them all. And they, I heard a story the week after that a, a three-year-old had gone home and told her mummy about how to breathe through the belly. This little girl happened to have asthma. So the mum approached me and just said, you know, what have you been teaching? It's, ama- it's amazing. That, oh. you know. Anyway, so I just thought, okay, it's going in at that level. Kids retain information. They can do it. And I just thought if they can do it at nursery level, they can definitely do it, you know, a couple of years later at primary school. So to cut a long story short, I created a short program for just my son's teacher's club, for my son's class, offered it to the teacher. He ran with it. He loved it. He told two other teachers. They ran with it. They loved it. Word got out in Hackney. I, I went to Hackney and taught two classes there, a six week program of how you know, just simple, healthy breathing habits. Yes, we breathe through our nose, we breathe through our bellies, why they were doing it as well. So I think kids are keen to learn. They're like little sponges and they love learning, mm. you know, facts and figures and things. So they love to learn, you know, why why they are doing it, what how you can change your body by just breathing. Mm. Anyway, we ran the six-week program. The results were amazing. They loved it. The teachers loved it. And I had sort of four breath coaches as well with me every single time we went. And it just wasn't, it wasn't feasible to go on as we were in this kind of, you know, four people, one class for for any longer really than six weeks. And whilst I was wandering around the schools, I just suddenly noticed that there was so much online stuff happening. You know, back in my day, there was like one BBC Commodore 64 (laughs) computer in the corner in some sort of dusty old room. But every, every classroom I wandered around in this school, there were like big screens coming down. They were on iPads. It was all, you know, t- like tech savvy. And I just thought, this is amazing. And I then had this thought of maybe we could film some breath exercises that the kids could then practice in class. We ran a pilot scheme. It went brilliantly. And now we have come up with the School Breathe online program, which goes out to 50, well, we've got 50 schools signed up at the moment. And they wow. practice daily breath exercises all weekly it's very you know that as long as they're practicing it that's 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 great some teachers absolutely love it and uh, practice it every day with them so they get a different breath exercise every single week throughout the entire academic year and then we realized that teachers were really keen uh, to learn more and to do more so last 18 months ago we created the teacher training breath coach um, program as well so we now train primary school teachers become in-school breath coaches for those you know for those bigger moments as you say out in the playground or if children are upset or they just learn uh, slightly different breath exercises to help children navigate both small and bigger emotions just through breathing yeah just by changing the way they breathe so that was a rather big nutshell but that's I mean that is amazing that's really so you know all of those different breathing exercises so one per week so the kids learn to really embody that breathing exercise over the week when they and and is that did they do they access access those just when they need to or is it is that they are set at the beginning of the day or something like that that they have to do? We well, we work with schools, so obviously we know that all schools operate differently. So mm-hmm. some some schools have some schools some teachers are using it every morning. Others find it useful after lunch when energy is quite yeah. high. Others before home time. Others are doing it sort of twice a day, um, and others like to do it at assembly. So they play it to the whole school. So they all start off with a breathing technique. We also give, they have downloadable posters as well. So we encourage teachers to create a calm corner so they can, if their kids, if they haven't got time to play the five minute video, then it's always sort of around. So children can see the breath exercise on the wall. We also did this amazing thing. So when we were teaching in schools, we made uh, around the week five, we realized the kids were quite confident with what they were doing. And they were older children, about eight or nine, so they could read, you know, they could read really well. So we made, we, we, we chose, we got the class to choose or nominate someone to become the breath coach for that day, for that session. And we gave the child a script to read out and then they were the breath coach teaching their own class. Oh, and it was so beautiful the way that 
children interact or listen to another child so it was giving the child confidence because they were yeah. reading out becoming a breath coach but also the children just did it in ever such a slightly way different way but a bit more focused and a bit more intrigued and and so what we do now is we offer the teacher when they think that a pupil's ready to become a breath coach so they teach one breath work they teach the lesson say on a Thursday or a Friday to the class and it just switches the dynamic as well because we don't want always you know we want what we're trying to do is empower kids to yeah. know that they can do it all themselves you know they don't they need us for the information but other than that you can do it all on your own and it's just brilliant you can self-regulate you can change yeah. your own body you can manage your own feelings and that is really empowering for for kids I think because we're always you know at home they're being told what to do at school they're being told what to learn and I don't know I'm I'm a bit uneasy about that. And I just think these kids are amazing. They've all got unique talents. They've all got, it would be great to give them something that they can then take off and, you know, practice on their own and realize that they can. Yeah, absolutely. It's so empowering to be able to give a child a way of managing the big stuff that they're going to feel. And, and, and that'll change as they go on, my husband and I are both therapists and coaches using uh, behavior therapy techniques as part of what we do. And we use a lot of those with our kids. And our son did something, did one part of one of those techniques with a friend of his who was nervous in a dance class. He didn't want to dance in front of a load of people. So my son used a, one of the techniques with him. I don't think he realized he did. And he did it and they, they, they did something together. And I, I said to him, oh, do you realize that that's this? And, and I'm so proud of you that you found that with, within yourself and you taught it to, to your friend and you helped him get through this difficult or sort of challenging situation and, and things. And, and I realized the most powerful part of that was not, not what he did or the fact that he did it with his friend, but the fact that he could just pull on it himself, that he didn't feel lost or that he didn't have anything to help or, or to do to aid his friend or to give him support. You know, he could he could just pull on that because he had it as part of his tools because of what he's learned as he's grown up with mm. us and and you're doing the same thing with them by starting with them in in primary school you're giving mm. them these techniques that solidify into their life and then they can pull on them at any time so they go to into secondary school so so my daughter's issue is that she's gone from covid environment primary school to into secondary school and it's a really overwhelming atmosphere 1200 kids in the school and she has to switch from classroom to classroom, like like they all do when they go into secondary school. And, and that environment is quite a lot for her. She, she really takes in a lot of energy from life, from everything else around her. But if you've taught a kid like her breathwork when she was five years ago, and it's something that she's done now and then in times when she's felt stressed or somebody's given her that to be able to help her manage something that's been a challenge, that would enable her to be able to see a stressful or anxious situation or some time when she's overwhelmed and be able to go, wait, I have a tool for this. Mm. I can do this mm. right now. And that, that's, that's amazing because you, you can completely help them change their whole response to something without having to put up their hand or go and ask for help or leave a room or do anything physically different that somebody would notice and be like what are you doing like kids mm -hmm. do tend to um mm -hmm. notice differences and and I, I i i think that if we can give our kids anything when they are also having to like you say do all of the things that we tell them to and outside society tells them to do they they've get, got control within themselves of how to manage their response to it yeah and it's so as you say it's so easy to use as well and no one need know that you're doing it you know you can be you know in class and there's certain techniques that you can use with a little bit of acupressure as well and yeah and it can just make you because I know panic attacks is quite a big thing as well at the moment as well with kids and with with people with adults as well so there's just certain techniques as well that you can 
use as you say and no one need know that you're doing or you can share them with you as well I'm intrigued with what your son was teaching your uh, the other his friend was is what what actually was he teaching him oh uh, so they didn't like it so so he was nervous about the dancing so he made a they 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 made up a dance together which I think was what they were supposed to be doing but they called it his nervous dance so yeah. the behavior therapy that we do is about, you know, noticing, naming, and then navigating to what is Lovely. what you need. So what he did was say to his friend, I know you're nervous, let's make a nervous dance. And so they made a thing about him being nervous Brilliant. and they called it that to the class and to the teacher. And it was all about being nervous. And so they, he sort of named it properly rather than trying to dismiss it and push it away. Brilliant. That's incredible. So he sort of embodied his nervousness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's great. That's really, yeah, useful. Yes. Yeah, it is useful. And, and okay, so I'd like to talk a little bit more now about the physical, like, actual mechanical connection with the breath. So as a postnatal rehab um, specialist, breathing is to me is fundamental with the way that I help my clients connect with their pelvic floor specifically. So can you tell us a bit more about what's going on when we breathe well through and the broader effects through the whole body? So you mentioned before about things like digestion and and things like that. So can you just talk a little bit more about that, about the effects sort of actually mechanically within the body when we breathe well? Yeah, sure. So it's really interesting you mentioned the pelvic floor, actually, because there's a pelvic diaphragm too. We've got seven diaphragms in the body we you know the respiratory diaphragm gets the big you know the the headlines as it were but we've actually got uh, a pelvic diaphragm as well so it's a smaller diaphragm so diaphragm is a little muscle that ascends or moves when we breathe and they should uh, descend in unison so they should uh, descend like this on the inhale so I just place my hands down and then up coming up on the uh, exhale as well. There's one in the throat, there's the crown of the head. So the fontanelle, when you have a look, when you see the little babies, you see the head, a newborn baby's little crown of the head will beat. So that becomes a little diaphragm too. So we've got a whole, I mean, it's a little bit like the chakra system really. Uh, crown of the head, throat, there's a diaphragm in, in the larynx, pharynx, respiratory diaphragm, pelvic diaphragm. And for those wondering where the other ones are, we've got them in the palms of our hands and the soles of our feet. So on every breath, these, all these diaphragms should be descending and ascending, descending on the inhale, ascending on the exhale. And sometimes they don't, sometimes that, you know, one of them, two of them are, are out of whack. So there's a nice wave to the breath. There should be a nice wave uh, motion to the breath and within these diaphragms too. Obviously the abdominal muscles are engaged too. So, and the, an interesting point to note is that the, diaphragm shares the same vertebrae as the psoas muscle so the psoas muscle is the big muscle that wraps the back of the body to the front of the body so if we have a tight diaphragm we can often have a tight psoas muscle too and this can affect the way we walk this can affect the way we um, feel you know the way the the pelvis is tilted too and obviously with childbirth you know the the pelvis gets out of whack The, the the pelvic floor muscles obviously get a slight knocking and everything needs rebuilding and we can actually do that through breath as well so I guess what I'm saying is the way we breathe affects every single part of our Mm. body and it has this ripple effect throughout all those diaphragms that I've just mentioned I think I mentioned all eight there as well and it, it it affects the top body and because it because the psoas muscle shares that vertebrae with the diaphragm muscle it affects the front body back body, hips, sitting bones. And yeah, so if we're, if we're holding our breath quite a bit during the day, then our psoas muscle can get tight as well. This affects our hips, this affects, you know, the way we run, the way we walk, everything. And even the way we talk as well. So if we have lots of people get tension around this sort of larynx, pharynx area. Mm. And a lot of the time, if people have sort of quite high voices there can be it can be indicative that there is tension around this area too or their short shallow breathing and yeah it just it has a huge impact on every every system of the body I mean I can talk about them individually or collectively like that if you like but it's just quite interesting to know that it's a lot more than inhaling and exhaling yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah exactly and and I also if we think about the digestive system is that 
because of the better if when we're breathing well is that because of the better movement of the diaphragm when it's not just being sort of held like in just a sort of rigid or an inhale or very shallow breathing is it the diaphragm as it starts to move it's really starting to help move the digestive system around is that exactly that so if you imagine that the diaphragm is this big sheet muscle below that is the intestine colon stomach liver and I, I love to think, I love to have this image of the diaphragm as a masseuse, like an internal <laughs> masseuse that we all have. And if we're breathing well and deeply, this, this diaphragm masseuse is going to be massaging all these lower organs, you know, all the, the stomach, the colon. And then we breathe 20,000 times a day. So the diaphragm is descending 10,000 times a day at least. So we can either give our lower organs, our digestive system, a really nice nourishing massage, or we can hold our breath tense diaphragm mm -hmm. and so many people with digestive issues actually have breathing issues yeah and they don't know that until they've yeah. become you know they've done gluten-free diets and you know come off sugar come off dairy come off everything else which is all good but sometimes it's the last port of call it's just like actually I've done everything but I'm still got IBS I've still got you know I'm still not digesting my food properly and then they come and have a, a breath session and it's just like we're they're often got tight diaphragm or reverse breathing a lot of the time so the belly goes in and yeah. out and yeah and it's just purely because the diaphragm is just doing very very minimal work and that the there's not enough movement motion happening around the digestive system yeah um, so yeah so it's it's if you and if you i think if you have that image of the diaphragm massaging the yeah that's uh, nice the, the stomach and the colon and everything else then it's quite a nice it's sort of it's quite a nice image to have yeah it might spur people on to look into diaphragmatic breathing for digestive issues as well yeah yeah exactly just remembering that, that everything is connected and so if we keep on thinking about everything is connected we'll broaden where we're looking at when we're looking at just like for example because I deal with postnatal rehab clients and specifically around leaking issues a lot of the time what they do is just go straight to the pelvic floor just the pelvic floor by itself doing kegels or pelvic floor muscle contractions and actually it's it's so much wider issue than that mm. the, where we can come from for it with looking at their breathing as well as all of the other things like digestion as well and how all of those things are interconnected together and can affect the pelvic floor so if you're just squeezing and squeezing away it's not going to be the thing that's always going to help and and heal it's there are other places that we can look at that mm. will be affecting the pelvic floor and and help it and just sort of bringing two of the things that we've talked about already together when we're looking at you know as I said I have a daughter who's 11 and she's in that so those sort of preteen years very active and I think breathing and thinking about so encouraging children to breathe well and thinking about their physical connection, the mechanical connection with breathing is so important for girls as they particularly who those who are active, it should all girls need to be doing more activity. But the ones who sort of we know that there's a high incidence of incontinence in kid in people who play netball, women who play netball, and also higher incidence of uh, leaking in girls who do gymnastics and uh, those sorts of impact sports. So breathing for teenager, teenage girls and things like that, was that, is that something that you would, I mean, obviously I'm sure you would suggest it, but is that something that you're aware of, you know, it being something that needs to be looked at? Or yeah, definitely. Fun? I mean, from, from, I didn't know that about the, the connection there between high impact sports or with netball yeah. and gymnastics. That's, that's new, that's new information for me. So that's really interesting. And it would just be interesting to know exactly why that's happening. Is it just an overuse of the psoas pelvic floor muscles or is it a stress thing or, you know, what's, yeah, what's going on there? I'm quite intrigued by that, but maybe that's for another. But yeah, no, definitely we have been approached by secondary schools now as well so it's just a matter of time I think because we have made the school breathe program primarily for primary schools and junior schools so a lot of the techniques yes they've got scientific you know the scientifically proven breath techniques but they're presented in a very fun way yeah which and we have for the older kids in the primary school we've got some really beautiful drone footage of nature scenes around here 
where, where, I, where we live here and, and beyond. And then we've got voiceover artists leading them through breath exercises too, to just for it to appeal to older children. And yeah. they've been really popular. And I can see that sort of school breathe in secondary schools will happen yes (laughs) you know whether whether we do it or it's happening already so you know with with other people it needs to happen but in just slightly a slightly different way to you know your daughter said oh breath work doesn't work but if they if it was presented to them moments of anger trying to stop me liking (laughs) her (laughs) no no also it's the teenage you know it's the teenage reaction I think to a lot of things isn't it yeah yeah Um, that things aren't going to work and you know we've all been there but definitely definitely it will be happening hopefully you know as fast as we can work basically but not we want to get it right so it it might be another couple of years away and I I think from from my point of view when I look at it with and I look at girls around that age increasing their awareness of their body so their sort of general understanding of the way their body works the way things are interconnected the power that they have within their own body and that kind of we know that improving the way that we breathe or or breathing in a certain way can help us to feel I don't know more confident or more sort of if they need to feel assertive or they need to feel more at ease or calm or whatever it might be we know that the breathing helps with all of that and those are things that as a teenager they can often struggle so much with and they can get very confused by the way that they feel because they used to feel fine about going into a classroom or something and now all of a sudden they don't and it's because those hormones and that sort of self-consciousness has really invaded the way that they feel about other times when they feel would normally feel okay Mm. do you see what I mean yeah no definitely and I just think this is why it's so well this is why I'm so passionate about it entering the education breathwork entering the educational system as well so everyone does it so it's a whole class approach and everyone can reap the benefits from that. So, and I think also doing breathwork as a collective too, you can then, you know, you, you have an understanding of everyone feeling anxious and everyone feeling these ways and you're not alone in that. And I think this is really important. I think this is one thing we don't talk about. It's really common for, to have anxiety, whatever age you are. Mm. It's really common to have strong feelings. It's really common, to, you know, it, it, we're human. We've got these human feelings, but we're we're told or we society tells us or, you know, the wider community tells us that we've just got to work hard, look great and you know earn loads of money you know that's the crux that is sadly depressingly that's what a lot of teenagers are being fed and they're not being fed that you're human you're going to have all these feelings they're completely you know valued breath work can help you navigate you you know your way through these and I yeah I think the whole conversation has to change and I mean if you get me going (laughs) the educational system I think is needs to yeah have a huge shake up as well of what we're actually teaching children and I'm just on the border of Wales here actually in the Wye Valley and the Welsh educational system is very different to the English education Mm. system and it has quite a refreshing approach you know to well-being and also to to teaching children really and I, I I think if we look at the English educational system and the entire educational system I think we do need to there needs to be a seismic shift in what we are actually teaching children. I think well-being should be number one, 100%. And then if we're feeling well, we're learning well. And not just with breath work, but as you say, with hormones and, you know, are they being taught all about the cycles and how you feel at particular times of month? Yeah. No, they're not. You know, yes, obviously we're parents, we should be teaching these children as well. But I think to, to learn as a collective and to make it so important that it's on the curriculum will make a better world. There we go. I've got it on my system. <laughs> well done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Amy. That was so, such an interesting uh, conversation. I really liked all of the things we talked about when basically we are just, and I'm doing very much uh, quotation marks here, just talking about breathing. And actually, it's everything as well isn't it it's so so much broader and deeper than that so thank you very much for being with us today and 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 sharing all of that with me thanks for having me no it's been really fun chat thank you yeah yeah hopefully 
we'll get a few more people breathing well. Oh, absolutely. Well, if anything, I'm absolutely sure everybody at the beginning was uh, trying to work out which side of the nose they breathe from. And don't think there's any car crashes anywhere. <laughs> exactly. Thanks. Thanks well, well, okay. Thank you. Goodbye.